0: Didn't Liza Minnelli already have a gay marriage? To be this, to be
1: this. How much rent can I charge you to live in my garage? To be this, to be
0: this. Helen and Ollie, to be this. Hey listeners, I hope you stuck around to the end of last week's podcast because right at the end, I inadvertently set you a challenge, which was essentially deciding whether. I was right in thinking that you would remember Arrested Development's 1992 pop hit Mr. Wendell, or whether Martin was right, that you wouldn't
1: and guess what we're covering this right at the top of this week's episode so i think we can safely conclude <laughs> that martin must be wrong
0: ah, in your face martin <laughs> so yeah there are
1: uh, there are four people on twitter who know who the rest of development were. well actually this is the thing isn't it we've had lots of you write in to say of course i get that reference it probably is more than four it's probably more like 24 but uh, of course if you don't know the reference you're not going to write in and say i don't know it because then you look stupid so martin could be right that the majority of the listeners didn't
0: how much do you think the two dollars in mr wendell would be worth now you know, $2 just a snack for me, but it means a big deal to you. I mean, what are you going to get out of uh, Pret-a-Manger for $2?
1: Well, $2 is, yeah, what, what's that, pound thirty. Popcorn. Yeah, maybe an egg sandwich, if, oh, if, you, if you take away.
0: One of those half sandwiches, though, not yeah, a full yeah.
1: one. Yeah, <laughs> half sandwich. Yeah, doesn't mean a great deal to anyone.
0: Uh, interesting Arrested Development fact, by the way. The band Arrested Development sued the TV show Arrested Development.
1: Oh, even That's upset me.
0: No one is going to mistake the two,
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> and the psychological syndrome uh, piped up. So, excuse me, I think I was here before all of you.
1: But anyway, uh, Gareth from Vancouver gets a worthy mention amongst those people who recognised uh, this reference.
0: The legion of you,
1: um, because uh, he's well, he's kind of the king of cultural references because he says, <laughs> uh, "I got the reference to Mr. Wendell yes, Helen,
0: nailed it, Gareth."
1: Uh, but I also remember the episode of Game On in which the nose was cut <laughs> off the cheese. <laughs> Well, see what else you can fox him with, Helen. Maybe oh. something you spotted in the background of an episode of Twin Peaks.
0: Hey, you remember that uh, sitcom set in a tennis academy called Phenom? Get so, back to me on it, Gareth.
1: I don't even know. I don't even know if you're joking. Mid
0: nineties, Channel Four.
1: Oh, it's, it's incredible, isn't it, to think what you could do with your brain if you weren't wasting it with all this shit <laughs> It's so awful. <laughs> it's amazing. Seriously, she's got a massive head, listeners. Literally, <laughs> like, a, ma- like a, a massive big skull. I do have a really like Shakespeare. She th- could put so much in there.
0: I have a really thick skull. That's the Zaltzman thing. Big head. Not, not necessarily a bigger brain, but it's good that I have a thick skull because the other day a, a large bottle of Cobra <laughs> fell off the top of the fridge about five feet onto my head. And, and actually,
1: wasn't it on top of the microwave on yeah, top of the fridge as yeah. well? and so I was you're, sitting down. Quite, quite a lot of height there. It yeah. was a
0: big fall. It was a big bottle of beer and I survived because of my thick Zaltzman skull.
1: Uh, right, time for a question now. This is from Matthew in Camden, uh, who says, I just smelt a man. Passing me in the street Uh, He says this was unintentional
0: It usually is
1: The only time I ever do anything with intent Regarding smelling people who pass me It's intending not to Uh, I'm not that proud of this, it's just true If I see someone who looks like they've been sleeping rough For a bit too long and I Mm. think they might smell I actually breathe out as I approach them So that I don't breathe in until I've passed them So I don't get that horrible smell
0: Or often, if, if a lady is wearing a very strong vanilla perfume I have to run off as much How can hospital. you
1: tell visually, though, that someone's... You've already smelt it by that point. She's got
0: a big V written on her face. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, uh, yes, uh, Matthew says, uh, this man who passed me in the street was wearing the Abercrombie scent. Oh, well. And there was a decided tug in my loins.
0: Uh, That was probably a tendon Or maybe your pants were too tight
1: I I think he's suggesting he's getting a stiffy, Helen Just at the smell of this man Helen, answer me this Is there some scientific reason for my lusty urge?
0: Uh, I wonder whether it is triggering a kind of scent memory Because those are really powerful um, even if you don't want them to be.
1: yeah. Especially, Matthew, if you've walked past a branch of Abercrombie and there have been one of those uh, muscly, pubeless teenagers standing there in their pants outside getting Ooh. hypothermia because it's Britain.
0: That sounds a very degrading thing um, to find attractive.
1: That's, well... Some people do, it though. It sells, Helen. But anyway, I always feel sorry for them because they they're teenagers. If if it was girls, they would not allow it, would they're, they? They're
0: getting paid for doing nothing. If it was girls, they would be paid a lot less and it would be in a bar that was windowless. Yeah, anyway. Anyway. Um,
1: I wonder if perhaps you've passed one of those gentlemen before, found them sexually attractive, oh, okay. and so you're triggering the emotion memory of that.
0: My emotion memory, though, is really weird because it's, I suppose because it's attached to um, a lot of experiences in my teens of uh, pulling people who smelt of booze and f- cigarettes. Mm. Neither smells of ones that I particularly like. But <laughs> often I get away of a particular booze and cigarette combo and that I think... That's the pulling smell.
1: That's uh, can't that's, stop me now. It's a revealing, isn't it? That uh, you know, for one man it could be the smell of Abercrombie. For you, it's the smell of stale cigarettes it's a and alcohol. Pub carpet. Uh, <laughs>
0: Here's a question from Tina, who says, "Will he answer me this?" Do you know what the song Whiter Shade of Pale is about?
1: Yeah, it's about a band taking too many drugs and oh. then writing a thing that people for years later are like, what's it about? And they're like, "Oh, we're not going to tell you in this interview. We're going to tease you. They're not going to ever tell you because it's about drugs. It's meaningless. They don't know. Yeah, they don't know. They have no memory of writing this, <laughs> <laughs> almost certainly. But, I mean, there are some images in there.
0: Whiter. Which Yes. You know, yeah. like, no, no, like the drugs are white the,
1: the phrase whiter shade of pale apparently Is to do with uh, the bloke who wrote it Saw a girl at a party say it to another girl As in you're feeling a bit sick You're looking a whiter shade of pale okay. uh, And the phrase just kind of stuck in his head
0: As he did all those
1: lines (laughs) And when he talks about The 15 Vestal Virgins People have said That's maybe groupies It's a summer of love thing So like you know It could be a VW camper van Full of hot chicks
0: And when Annie Lennox So memorably (laughs) covered this song Do you think that she Just created a different Narrative for it Because she doesn't seem Like the uh, Vestal Virgin type
1: No And I think To persuade Annie Lennox To sing a song about anything You have to tell her It's about orphans in Rwanda If it's not
0: Or <laughs> well, Nelson Mandela Getting out of jail
1: Yeah Yeah the record company are Like for your next song Annie We'd like you to do a cover Of Come on Eileen It's about the Spanish Civil War <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and then you could do uh, Heroin by the Velvet Underground Which is about Joan of Arc I
1: got a question Email your question To answer me This podcast At googlemail.com And submit this podcast at googlemail.com And submit this podcast at googlemail.com And submit this podcast at googlemail.com
0: Question from Emma Who says I have a lovely New boyfriend Of two or so months He is too young for you
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hands off Emma (laughs) Boom
0: Everything is going Very well Good Having met Relevant friends And family
1: Oh only the relevant ones No Uncle Jim You cannot meet My new boyfriend You are irrelevant (laughs) You are a
0: subplot (laughs) We each have good feelings in regard to our future together. Well, everything
1: sounds fine, Emma. Why have you written to us?
0: Just one thing.
1: Oh. Fucking
0: We actually met through an online dating site, and each time the question is asked, "Oh, so where did you meet? I shift uncomfortably in my seat and mumble something about meeting at a party. He's aware that I haven't exactly told the truth to my family and friends, but he says he doesn't mind. I just feel that, at the age of 24, with a professional job, that having to say, I met my partner online seems a bit odd. Does she mean twenty four is too old to say that, or twenty four is too young to say that?
1: I have a theory on that. Okay, Helen. I'll but let's wait. get to the question yes, first.
0: Ollie, answer me this: Should I come clean?
1: Uh, you should do whatever you're comfortable with. It's obviously your comfort that's stop your discomfort that's stopping you from admitting that you met on an online dating site. Don't force it if you feel uncomfortable. But the question I would ask is, why? Why do you feel uncomfortable that Where's you met on an online dating it? site? Surely everyone does that now, yeah. masses.
0: Except, oh.
1: except, uh, I was talking to my girlfriend's younger sister about this, mm-hmm. who is twenty two. And she said that she wouldn't ever go on an online dating site because so, it's seen as being a naff thing to do. It's seen as something you do when you're a bit older, when you fail to find people.
0: So for her, what was that cut off point of becoming older and therefore needing the dating site. I think
1: about 26.
0: Oh my God, that's so old. It's are not interesting, paired it? by then. Uh, it's curtains for you.
1: Uh, I, like you, Helen, had assumed that everyone in the generation younger than us, because most people our age are comfortable with it, yeah. would be totally fine with it. But actually, apparently, it's still a bit of a taboo, which is interesting, isn't it?
0: Because I think even 10 years ago, people were no longer ashamed that this was the way they'd met. But if it's such a problem for you, Emma, why don't you make up some really outlandish way that you met Like, oh, I met him because I did a a skydive and I landed on him. (laughs) You might feel most comfortable telling a lie that is quite close to the truth. So you could say that you were set up on a blind date by your friends. Or that you met in the restaurant or bar or cinema, wherever you did go on your first date.
1: Yeah, by our friends Firefox and Chrome.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I disagree with you, Wally, about her only doing what she's comfortable with. I think she would be uncomfortable for a short period of time, but then comfortable that she told the truth. Whereas at the moment, the fact that she's written to us suggests she's not comfortable with her lie. I
1: suppose it depends what website it was, mind you. If it was womenbehindbars.com, then I'd understand (laughs) you're feeling a bit reserved.
0: Uniform dating. What is that about, Mm. listeners? Are any of you on that? Because... That seems degrading in both ways, really. Well,
1: now, it's interesting that I've always interpreted the need for uniform dating to be that people who work in various services like the company much. of other people yeah and they understand exactly so if you're in the police you understand someone who works for an ambulance i don't think it's necessarily saying i'm turned on by paramedics but it's always interpreted that way yeah. in the press isn't it
0: well because the adverts are like, oh if you find bus conductors sexy yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. saying if you want to to be the pen pal of someone in the army for six months and then when they uh, come home you'll meet them and have a wonderful romantic union
1: yeah well, that's right, because it's less of a story, isn't it? It's like, you know, if it's Christian dating or something, but I think then you understand that it's because they have, uh, because they come from the same place religiously. It's not because it turns them on. But for some reason, when it's <laughs> uniforms, people well, always assume that it's a sex thing. I
0: think if I were the uniformed person, I would think, do they like me or just the clothes that have been supplied to me by the government?
1: Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I think you'd find that out fairly soon, though, wouldn't you? If they start humping your clothes when they're in a closet, for example.
0: So, having lived this lie, how does she now undo the lie? Does she just say, actually, I lied? Or does she just start feeding in the story when new people ask her and hope it gets back to the old people? overwrites their memory I don't know
1: Helen Because the whole time You were saying that I was trying to recall The lyrics to Stop Living the Lie By David Snedden. Oh no <laughs> all, all I could how remember How you was, do that oh, Sorry that's going to be In your head for the But next maybe week now, Gareth from
0: Vancouver Will write in and say <laughs> I remember David Snedden. Thousands wouldn't was that a
1: Fame Academy person yeah, He won yeah. the first
0: series Of Fame Academy He's a
1: songwriter now He writes songs for Hurt
0: He was like a young Gary Barlow But
1: seriously Do you remember how it went Until the Stop bit where It would live in the, the lie. lie Yeah but Before no, was, that How so did bland, it go So bland What was the lie That he was living
0: I think it was uh, something to do with uh, the correct visas for the country he was visiting <laughs> at the time. He was only on a student visa, but he was no longer a student. Right?
1: Yeah. Actually, I'd forgotten this, but I've seen David Snedden on the street. I saw him once wow. on Upper Street. I was in the 19 bus. And
0: like, that's David Sneddon! Everybody, go to that time. That's David Sneddon! No,
1: I did. I did exactly what anyone in my position in the 21st century would do. I reached for my smartphone and I started composing an ironic tweet about it. And then I thought, no, that's a real man. And this I'm not going to belittle him, but like, oh, look at him trying to be all clever, living. Hello. I'm Wilson, the ball from Castaway. And here is my song about my favourite balls. <clears throat> Football, rugby ball, volleyball ball. Tennis ball, Zoey Ball, basketball, netball, handball, debutante ball, bowling ball, baseball, big
0: sweaty ball. Answer Me This Sports Day, a marathon of fun and games, out now at AnswerMethispodcast.com slash albums. Listeners, if you want to get in touch via the telephone, then this is the number you need to dial. 0208123587 Or you may Skype answer me this. You may. You may. This person was also given permission to do that. <laughs> Anthony from Leyland.
1: Helen Arley, answer me this. I was wondering the other day, where did the ritual of a bride throwing the bouquet to all the other people at a wedding come from?
0: This is a bit of a weird one.
1: We like it when it's a bit weird, don't we, Helen?
0: Oh, yes, we yeah. love it weird. We feast mm. on it. Uh, well you could actually have feasted on a bridal bouquet uh, because way back when in the middle ages they used to be made out of garlic and dill
1: I'd actually prefer that
0: when the brides were walking down the aisle with the garlic and the dill they would feed (laughs) the guests the dill because that was meant to be a herb that made you uh, feel more sexy
1: Oh, oh, whenever I'm having a smoked salmon bagel, <laughs> I am ready for anything.
0: You know what's the sexiest food? Potato salad. <laughs> what do you think
1: they call it? A dildo.
0: But anyway, what they also used to do at weddings uh, was tear off bits of the bride's dress, which was meant to confer some of the romantic luck onto the people that got a bit of the dress as right. a token. Yes. And then uh, over the years, when people started spending more and more extortionate amounts on wedding dresses, uh, they the didn't...
1: tradition mutated into this thing that the bride can carry. That's clearly temporary, anyway. Yes, it's that's right.
0: Keep. And also a distraction because. You can throw it over there and then scarper.
1: You can throw it over all the really weird people who are grabbing onto your dress, can't yeah. you, and then run away. <laughs> Classic distraction technique, isn't it? Look, over there, run.
0: I often do that with a dog and a tennis ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just start taking tennis balls
1: to weddings. But... Surely some brides would like to dry the flowers in their bouquet and keep the bouquet.
0: Well, then you have to snatch it back off the spinster that's grabbed it.
1: Also, I just realised I'm saying bouquet, but people usually say bouquet. I've never given it any thought.
0: I say bouquet. Do
1: you say bouquet?
0: It's not a word I have much occasion to say. Martin, bouquet,
1: bouquet? Bouquet. I've I've
0: never had a bouquet or a bouquet. Yeah.
1: You didn't have a bouquet or a bouquet at your wedding? No. Why not?
0: Because I thought about them and I thought, I don't see the point of those yeah. I don't even like the deconstructed uh, bouquets where they're made out of a bundle of vintage brooches or something because it's still something that I'd have to carry and, and our wedding had quite uneven terrain. Yeah. I needed my hands for balance. What about a wedding walking stick? That would be cool.
1: Florists must piss themselves laughing when they get a quote for a bridal bouquet, must not it? Mm. It must just be like, well, whatever we charge for a normal bouquet, but times a million.
0: Yeah. <laughs> How much for a bunch of celery? <laughs> 400 quid. Hi, this is Alex from Xinjiang. How does answer this? and my best friend is getting married. And obviously I had to wear a suit for this. Can I wear the same suit I wore for my own wedding two years ago? It's a good suit and I think it would look pretty nice. However it's kind of tainted with my failed marriage. So can you wear the same suit to a different wedding? I was all for it, Alex, until you went on about the failed marriage. Yeah.
1: It's, it's You're asking two questions, really, aren't you? Can you can you recycle a suit that you wore at a wedding? Yes. Absolutely. If
0: it's a nice suit, I think they'll be pleased you're wearing such a nice suit.
1: Yeah. Especially, I, I think you can't say it the other way around. I don't think you should uh, wear for a wedding, for your wedding, a suit you've worn before. Oh, I think it should no. be new.
0: Someone I know is, is doing just that. And I thought, well, yeah, if he likes that suit no. more than another suit, no. then why not?
1: I'm not saying it has to be an expensive suit or even a new suit. It can be second-hand, but Get it should be new to you. Suit.
0: That's worse than your <laughs> other suit that you might like, want yeah, to wear. Yeah, I do think
1: it should be special, yes. But, anyway, the second question, far more interesting that he's actually asking, if you've had a failed wedding, can if- you then wear that suit again, or is it jinx?
0: Maybe this will reset the suit Back to a positive suit
1: I had a car crash once Wearing a Gap jumper And for mm-hmm. the rest of the time I had that jumper My friend who was with me at the time Would never get in a car with me again
0: Wow mm. Just in case It's not the jumper that was driving It was no. you <laughs> exactly. I think it's important though Alex To check whether the suit you had For your wedding uh, Is going to be suitable For the time of year Suitable I didn't mean that I mean, I meant it, but I didn't intend it. Is it going to be suitable for the climate at this new wedding? Say if you've got a linen suit and the wedding's going to be cold, you don't want to wear that. Or if you've got a wool suit and the wedding's going to be hot, you don't want to wear that. Right. You don't want to be sweaty.
1: There was a couple in the sun on Sunday last weekend Mm -hmm. who were getting married in onesies.
0: They should not be allowed.
1: I, I don't know if they were just doing it so they got in the paper. Oh,
0: then they should not be allowed. They should not be allowed to be near people at all <laughs> if that's their intention for wearing the onesies. I th- the thing
1: is, it was kind of fun. Like, especially this week when everyone's been saying, you know what, you should be able to marry whoever you want if you're an adult, you know, everyone's entitled to equal rights of marriage. No, Everyone should... should be entitled to wear whatever they want, but Everyone
0: should be entitled... Not to marry somebody who would be willing to wear a onesie to a wedding yeah, Even if, if they're just a guest
1: But if you're but if you're also inclined to wear a onesie Then you're marrying the right person, you should, aren't you?
0: You should think I should not inflict myself on someone else It's your wedding day Wear something good <laughs> You could wear a, wan- a onesie every evening on your own sofa
1: Yeah, this was a special onesie though What, it was it crotchless? Um, I suppose normally in the, the wedding suite It's tricky to get the lady out of her dress anyway so in a way, it well, doesn't matter but it's going to take the man an equal amount of time.
0: That's traditionally why they tie things to the back of a wedding car, metal objects. They put a tin opener on there so the man can get her out the dress. Is
1: that true? No. No, I don't think so.
0: Good that you sort of believed it for well, a second, I, though. Well,
1: no, I believe that it was a traditional joke. I just made it up. Yeah, no, I know that now, Helen. It's nouveau. Yes, but the, the style of Call My Bluff that you succeeded in doing was I believed it was a traditional joke.
0: If you think you can best them with a tricky question, send it in on that internet thing to At Here's a question from Neil from Crawley who says, Ollie, answer me this. Did people live in Downing Street prior to it becoming the home and office of the first Lord of the Treasury?
1: Yes, and- obviously. It would be a bit um, weird if in preparation for it becoming the Prime Minister's house.
0: Get out, everybody, get it, out.
1: Yeah, it must, it must be empty for 200 years to keep it chased.
0: Oh, really, if they only had it for that long? Because he also says, if so, did the government buy the whole street or just numbers 10 and 11?
1: Downing Street was built by a bloke called James Downing, who uh, very modestly named it after himself. And he, it's better than calling it Government Street, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. well no, but it, okay, so the answer is, it wasn't Government Street. It was <laughs> right. houses built by James Downing. That's right. what it was. Yeah. They had a nice aspect onto St James's Park. They were near the seat of power.
0: Very convenient for Very work.
1: convenient. They were always designed for persons of stature.
0: Difficult to buy anything, though. I mean, there's that tiny little convenience store on the end of Westminster Bridge but where mm. are you going to get you're going to yeah, have I mean. to walk all the way up to Victoria Street to get toilet roll and yeah, stuff
1: that's, that's right. but uh, it was built for I imagine people who did work in the government but it was a private venture it wasn't owned by the government so number 10 Downing Street mm. the Earl of Grantham like as in the character Hugh Bonneville plays in Downton Abbey <laughs> the Earl of Grantham lived at 10 Downing Street
0: wow um, from 1699
1: to 1703
0: Where did he buy his toilet roll? We'll never know.
1: (laughs) But it didn't become the residence of the Prime Minister until 1735.
0: Oh, right. So they just bought the street.
1: They weren't built for the government. Mm. They weren't purchased all at once by the government. But after a few hundred years, slowly, they all evolved into being owned by the government. But even then, it's not like, you know, you use the phrase of the government. Yes. But actually, it's all different pots of money, isn't it? So one was the tithe office and one was the colonial office or whatever. Well,
0: it's like Victoria Street now. One is the DTI. Exactly. One is DEFRA.
1: Exactly like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So over time, with hundreds of years' perspective, you're like, oh, that street belongs to the government. But it wasn't really like that. It's Individual more just no-one else is going to get it. any of it. Well, it's, like yeah. you say, very convenient location for the Houses of Parliament.
0: Yeah, there's it it's also a very convenient location if you work as an ice cream vendor in Trafalgar Square, but no-one thinks of their industry, <laughs> do they? Hello, Ed here. Helen and answer me this. Where does the phrase I heard it through the grapevine
1: actually come from? Complete wild guess. Yeah. Shakespeare...
0: That is a much more cerebral wild guess than your wild guesses usually are. (laughs) Uh,
1: Because I was thinking it sounds a bit like, you know, that bit in Twelfth Night where is it Toby and Thingy of spying on Malvolio? Uh Sounds a bit, you could imagine, couldn't you, being surrounded by grapevines in a sort of Italianate scene. Yeah, that sort of phrase came about. Even if it isn't in the play, someone said, you know, it's the grapevine scene. Right, <laughs> I just, sorry, that was just my instinctive feeling. It's obviously wrong yeah. from the way you're looking I, I at it. think me. that's quite quite sensible, pretty suggestion. good.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm impressed. But it's, but it's wrong. Uh, yeah, but it's not it's not your fault, Ollie. I think it was a really good go, but it's actually a bit later than that. Um, it's
1: your fault, Shakespeare. Why didn't you prefigure Marvin Gaye?
0: Idiot. Anyway, uh, the the first recorded use of it was from 1852, and uh, it referred to the telegraph system that had been instituted in America in the 1840s, and the wires looked like grapevines. Oh, they transmitted wow. the messages.
1: Oh, so it was kind of like a nickname for the telephone yeah. system. Yeah. So a bit like, I guess, if someone did a song, I heard it through the information superhighway in 1995. Yeah. Actually, Marvin Gaye does sound more like the name of a telephone engineer than a, than a Motown star, doesn't it? No. No? No. 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 That's only. Co- I think it's only because Marvin Gaye is Marvin Gaye. Right. If you went into a little office... Name a Motown star that sounds more like a Motown star. Like Diana Ross. Couldn't that be someone who works in a call centre? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Barry Gordy, couldn't that be someone who works cleaning Berry- toilets? No, gaudy Gordy, that's a... That's, uh... That's well, it.
0: That's almost like a name of You know one of those American brands That you, the, you're meant to think Is made by A rosy-cheeked lady In her farmhouse kitchen yeah, It was actually, actually A briefless bamboo. corporation Yeah, yeah. But Berry Gordy's like uh, yeah. ho- Home-cooked biscuits
1: I just don't think Marvin's a sexy name That's what I'm saying well, well, I mean, how, about, how about this as a Martin, name? however
0: <laughs> 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 Dream uh, on, mate
1: uh, How about this as a sexy name, Martin Greg
0: Four.
1: Yeah Does that make you excited? Greg. About, I was thinking about Greg Proops do or, you? I, th- yeah. I would have thought
0: you would think about sticking your dick in a Greg's pasty. <laughs>
1: oh, 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 Greg Wallace! Oh, oh chicks, chicksy. Boop, boop, boop. God I didn't know Martin did impressions as well He's so versatile Ooh. It's like
0: we're in the room with got, Greg Wallace right it's now got
1: butter its biscuits <laughs> <laughs> This is from Greg in Loughborough a Sexy place uh, It is Loughborough is a very sexy place Loughborough who's, Loughborough more like Loughborough. Who says uh, Ellen answered me this I almost forgot the format of the show We've been on such a long tangent uh, Ellen answer <laughs> me this Why do people say the moon is made of cheese?
0: Because they are scientific idiots <laughs>
1: Well, it looks a bit like it's made of cheese. Well,
0: exactly, Ollie. Yeah, it it's the
1: same as the grapevine thing, isn't it? Looks a bit like that. It's going to become a saying, isn't it's, it?
0: It's a big, round, pale thing. Yeah. That's why people said it was, looked like a cheese. Why didn't they say it was an
1: <laughs> apple or something?
0: Because it's not green. It's not going a stalk. No, I, I mean, if
1: you bisect an apple, it, it looks more like the moon. Well, and... it's not as
0: catchy. The moon looks like a bisected apple tonight, dear.
1: But it also looks a bit like a bowling ball, doesn't it? And people have said that as well. well
0: yeah, but this, but this the expression's cheese thing from sticks. before. Sticks. The yeah. cheese thing is really old. There's some weird myth as well that... Uh, they saw the moon reflected in the water, and the village idiot thought that it was a cheese, so he tried to eat the cheese and drowned, or some ridiculous shit like that. <laughs> or they all had a fight because they thought the village idiot had eaten all the cheese. I'm, I'm laughing, but idiots. actually, we,
1: we're discussing someone who's mentally retarded dying, so I shouldn't really be laughing. I apologise for well, that. Well, it might not be. Uh, but if it happened, it's actually horrific, isn't it? Might not be the retarded. local village idiot. You might, know, might, someone someone with actual learning difficulties
0: might not have learning difficulties. Might have just chosen to be unlearned.
1: Yeah, like me. <laughs>
0: Idiots yeah. idiot savant.
1: This sounds very much like the discussion we'll be having at your eulogy I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, He drowned pursuing the giant Mickey in the sky
0: uh-huh.
1: um, There's also the issue of course that um, uh, in our lifetime obviously we've seen footage of the moon that itself looks old. You know we've seen black yeah. and white footage of people on the moon who are older than us who are now dead
0: Dancing around in the dust
1: Yeah. So to us the idea of lunar exploration although exciting doesn't seem distant whereas uh, even 200 years ago the moon seemed so unfathomably far away that actually it might as well be made of cheese. You'd never know. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you could, something like that, you could see how someone might be able to convince even a sort of teenager that the moon is yeah. genuinely made of cheese because you'd have no idea, would you, basically how it all works. When was, when was uh, Yuri Kagan? Is that 61 or something? So, I mean, even before then, even in the 50s, you must have thought, oh yeah, like... Maybe we can send a rocket up there But there's no way people are But going it's there. obviously it made of cheese yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so we better we... bring forks
0: <laughs> yeah. Let's hope it's not a soft cheese Otherwise we'll never get off again <laughs>
1: Well the Apollo missions have got, had tons and tons of celery Into the lining of the uh, spacecraft
0: Martin knows because we went to uh, the Kennedy Space Centre Yeah it's all
1: about celery It's quite boring actually mm. They
0: had a whole exhibition about space chutney <laughs> <laughs> I'm an answer me this fan
1: I listen with my nan She is not so keen she finds it too obscene. I follow them on Twitter, though Ashton Kutcher's fitter. I want to take things further, just one step short of murder. I want to look like Ollie Man. I want to smell um, like Ollie man. Like man. man. I want to be like Ollie Man. I want to chase like Ollie man. man. I want to look like Ollie Man. I want to talk like arly arly arly
0: listeners get yourself really hyped up now for an exciting question about shelving from the phone line <laughs> james
1: from berry Helen and ollie answer me this when organizing your dvds do you put them in alphabetical order or do you put them in genre and if you have a tv series and say you have one DVD which is blu-ray and one that isn't do you split them up or do you keep them together i'm not sure we have enough dvds to have a system do we
0: we've got three shelves i mean they are badly stacked yeah because... well
1: describe your system because okay. uh, yeah I, I i'd agree with martin that it would uh, be an insult to the word to call it a system
0: <laughs> ignore all the other stuff like uh, nail varnish and and sweets that are on the dvd shelves mm. top shelf that is games and dvds that we haven't seen and plan to
1: right oh so not traditionally racy material like you'd find on a normal top shelf
0: <laughs> we keep it in the attic <laughs> uh, middle shelf yeah that is specifically box sets yeah. Bit of Breaking Bad there. Yeah. Brass uh, Eye. A Frank Capra box set. 30 Northern Exposure. But also, we've got a little wooden chest of drawers that's got some tools and medication in. And then, bottom shelf.
1: <laughs> it's not medication to take when you watch the box set.
0: It's medication. It's like Breaking
1: Bad themed medication. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: where we keep the crystal meth if you're ever over.
1: <laughs> Good to know. Good to uh,
0: know. And then, the bottom shelf, that is um, just the rest and everything is double stacked so it's really quite hard to find things and I can't find any of the Jim Jarmusch films where are they hiding out but we have not uh, invested in many blu-rays I think we have two and it would not give me qualm to line them up next to the DVDs really
1: well I think if you only have two or three blu-rays then it's reasonable to keep them separately because they're kind of for special aren't they (laughs) it's like when people have a whole dining room that they only go into when they have guests around Uh, you know you could be like oh darling should we watch a blu-ray but if you've got a collection of blu- rays Uh, and a collection of dvds then i i agree that whether you do them alphabetically or by genre the blu-rays mix with the dvds i know they're different height boxes Mm -hmm. but i think actually that's rather nice over a series of uh units
0: i think a lot of people are going to be listening to this and thinking why are you bothering there's netflix
1: why don't you just download everything
0: yeah hard copy sometimes useful you know guys and we've got a cap on our bandwidth
1: yeah and it is that thing of sort of telling people isn't it what you like You know, it's all very well Say, oh, I downloaded Pulp Fiction But you want Pulp Fiction on your your shelf So that people know you like Pulp Fiction Uh, Until about 2007 Mm -hmm. I was probably still the kind of person That would categorise my DVD collection And now because I think Well, it's all just worthless junk, isn't it? It's all just (laughs) desks in shiny boxes. It's just like when you walk into HMV and you're like, well, this is pointless. It's like that. (laughs) The
0: rest is noise. Um,
1: (laughs) uh, I sort of assume that other people, I project upon other people that they must come into my flat and feel the same. But of course, a lot of people probably don't. They probably come in and they think, oh, he's got two copies of Bad Santa. What does that mean? Actually, it means two people gave me a copy of Bad Santa. And you
0: haven't got rid of it yet. You don't even like it.
1: I think it's all right. It's all right. I watched it this Christmas. Actually, it's right.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it bears uh, once a year viewing.
1: But the point is, certainly, the twenty-five-year-old Ollie man would have taken one of those copies and given it to the charity show. Yes, and taken the other one and put it next to my other frat pack comedy films.
0: <laughs> Whereas. <laughs> the the current Ollie man would like the option to have a copy of Bad Santa one in the living room and one maybe in your country house that you haven't got yet oh
1: that would be nice yeah you're right that's what I'll say when people say why have you got two copies
0: and then they'll say well haven't you got everything digital and then uh, access it from the cloud in (laughs) your many locations you know you can't win with you people listeners is what I'm saying although we did win quite uh, significantly after last week's plea to send us the visual evidence of your rude Thornton's requests. That's right. You did it. You, you did. Beauties.
1: Uh, if you would like to see the gallery of rude words that you guys have had written on Thornton's chocolates, we asked for photo proof. We got it. Uh, it is on our website. com slash chocolate
0: hyphen C hyphen bomb. Got that chocolate C bomb. We didn't just have the photographic proof, we also had proof from within the company. Uh, I'm Ben. I work for a branch of Thornton's after some digging. I found out that unless
1: the person behind the till is personally offended by the message that you
0: put on, um, they cannot refuse to put a message on. So if it was a racial slur, we wouldn't be able to do it. But if it was something like happy birthday slur, which we have had, we could do it because it appears to us to be in good fun rather than being in a malicious or
1: cruel way. But apparently, Helen, this is not company policy, according to Thorntons.
0: Oh, I hope I haven't got Ben into trouble, then. Well,
1: a lady called Yvonne has tweeted me saying, oops, I posted a link to your Thorntons page to my friend who works there. Management saw the post (gasps) and are calling all employees, warning them they can lose their jobs if they've taken part in it.
0: They're not. They're not calling all employees. There must be hundreds of them. Yeah,
1: don't do not do that, Thorntons. Otherwise, we'll send you a don't be a cunt chocolate box.
0: <laughs> Are we going to get a cease and desist from Thorntons saying stop encouraging people to violate our oh, icing policy? it's just
1: a bit of fun, Thorntons. We're not going to get them to do anything really horrible. It's In just it, fun.
0: If anything, it makes you look good because yeah. you're giving this personalised service. You're not like one of those uh, evil factories, icing-only communist slogans onto chocolate <laughs>
1: yeah that's right and as, as Ben said they can't refuse certain offers now I've heard uh, some people have said the offer they can't refuse is a one pound tip <laughs> so again Thorntons look at your own policy there think what you're paying your staff um, <laughs> anyway uh, you should head to our website to see the gallery it is great uh, and also of course there are links there as well to download our first three years worth of episodes
0: and also our contact details if you would like to send us a question and uh, please uh, return next week when uh, we'll try to ruin the lives of some other staff of <laughs> <laughs> Bye! Bye.